0: Hey, y'all. It's Brittany. And Eric. You might be surprised to be hearing from us right
1: now. Like, wait, I thought y'all were gone. (laughs) Well, over the next couple months, we're going to try something new. Every Tuesday, you'll get to hear the audio from one of the latest episodes of our new Quibi show, The Nod with Brittany and Eric.
0: Our Quibi show aims to be a reflection of how Black people are living, fighting, and thriving right now in real time. So you're going to hear from activists, writers, politicians, and also from regular people out there trying to make it in a world that doesn't feel built for us.
1: If you want even more than not, guess what? We've got it. Our show airs on Quibi every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. Every sign up comes with a 14-day free trial. So try it out. Let us know what you think.
0: Today's episode is a two-parter about a documentary that gets at some of the biggest issues and one of the biggest
1: names in hip hop. We do need to warn you, this episode features discussions of sexual assault and may not be for all listeners.
0: If you need to sit this one out, that's all right. You can join us next week for a brand new audio edition of The Nod with Brittany and Eric.
1: Here's the show. In the bombshell documentary On The Record, 10 women share their stories of alleged sexual assault at the hands of hip-hop mogul, Russell Simmons.
0: Former Def Jam AR and executive Drew Dixon and Sherry Share, one of the founding members of the hip-hop group Mercedes Ladies, were two rising stars in hip-hop when they say these incidents occurred.
1: Today, they're talking with us about what it took to share their stories and the aftermath. This is The Nod.
0: The HBO Max documentary, On the Record, portrays how sexual abuse against Black women in hip-hop has gone largely unchecked.
2: The New York Times called me and said there were other women. But they won't go on the record unless I go on the record. But I'm terrified of the backlash.
0: Due to rampant misogyny, careers and dreams have been destroyed. That's the case according to Drew Dixon and Sherry Sher. Two women who say their bright futures in music were disrupted by the actions of record executive Russell Simmons. Dixon alleges that Simmons used the promise of a demo tape to lure her into his apartment where he allegedly raped her. Sherry Cher was a young aspiring artist and member of the first all-female rap group, the Mercedes Ladies. One day in 1983, she says Simmons invited her up to his office to talk business, but instead he proceeded to assault her. Both women eventually left the industry after these alleged incidents and remained silent for decades. Drew, Sherry, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks
3: for having us.
0: Drew, I'm gonna get started with you. The early days of your career in hip hop were really impactful. Like you made one of my favorite songs of all time, You're All I Need with Method Man and Mary J. What your hopes when you entered the hip-hop industry?
2: Before I even got to New York, I had a vision board conjuring in my mind what I wanted my life to be like. Then I had a picture of Russell in the center of it all. The idea of working for him, making records, and influencing this art form was the dream. I felt like it was the opportunity of a lifetime.
0: In the film, you say that there were plenty of occasions on which, you know, Russell was exhibiting behavior that would be called, I think, in any employee handbook, sexual harassment. Exposing himself to you, propositioning you. How are you able to navigate your career while also dealing with that type of behavior?
2: I sort of felt like, it's not like there's another Russell Simmons. I can't duplicate this Mm. level of an opportunity. So if I could just manage around his bad behavior long enough to make a hit record with my name on the back, I can get out of here with like my next golden ticket for the next job. I was 23 and 24 and I Mm. now realize my compass was getting moved just a little bit every single time. I didn't understand that's how it worked. I also didn't think anybody cared about sexual harassment as far as black women were concerned because nobody cared about Anita Mm. Hill. And that was like maybe two years earlier. I didn't understand I was dealing with a predator. In my mind, he wasn't dangerous, he was just inappropriate.
4: You stay because you hope that perhaps you can provide enough value to the company and move ahead. It's something that you have to go along with because the alternative is that you'll be unemployed. Something that I
0: noticed throughout the film is like, this desire to keep what you were dealing with to yourself, so that you know you could make it to the next stage, especially as a woman, how did that um, affect, like, how much leeway powerful men in the industry had to behave in a way that was inappropriate and, and sometimes violent?
2: These men understood that they were the gatekeepers. If Russell decided I was a problem, then I wasn't just dead in the water at Def Jam, I was dead in the water in the whole Black music game. When I tell you I loved hip-hop, I loved hip-hop. It's like a death. I mean, it was a kind of suicide leaving the industry. It was like a, it was a kind of suicide. Mm.
0: True, thank you for sharing. Really, seriously, thank you for sharing.
2: So Sherry, you were really a
0: pioneer in hip-hop. You you were a part of the first all-female hip-hop group, Mercedes Ladies, which is a perfect name, by the way. Tell us more
2: about the Mercedes ladies.
0: I was um, born and raised in the Bronx. And so we was
3: like deep down in the Bronx. Everybody used to be out there on the corner. You had Grandma's Flash. You had Theodore. You had Breakout. You had Bambada. Y'all like would go and battle the guys. Y'all were like... We was hood famous. (laughs) Everybody
0: knew Mercedes ladies. And so you approached Russell Simmons because you wanted to get some representation from Mercedes ladies.
3: Well, actually... We were signed to Russell Simmons in the mm-hmm. beginning, and he had did a record on us called The Can-Can, in which we was gonna um, redo the, can- the Pointer Sisters Can-Can. And at the mm-hmm. date it was supposed to come out, he decided to give it to Allison Williams. So fast forward, my friend asked me to come with her to do an interview, because she was interviewing Curtis Blow. I seen Russell. At that mm-hmm. time, I hadn't seen Russell in a long time. He said, Sherry, I wanna take you upstairs so you can see my new office, which was Rush Productions. Mm-hmm. And also, I wanna apologize for what I did to Mercedes ladies. And and I want to talk to you about, you know, how can I re-fix that and, you know, I owe y'all one. We get up there to talk and um, he says to me, well, you know, what I did was a business call. I'm going to make this right. And then he tells me sit on the couch and he's talking. And next thing you know, it's just so weird. Next thing you know, it it was just shocking. Next thing you know, I'm just pinned to a couch and Mm -hmm. I'm saying, get off of me, Russell. What are you doing? Like, get off of me. And I'm trying to fight him. And all I can remember was that he had a lamp that was on the side of the couch. And I was reaching for that lamp to try to hit him. And he just kept holding me down, took my pants down, had his way. I... Got up, I, I, I just was like so in shock, trying to pull my pants up. I ran out of the office, and then when I ran downstairs, I ran to my friend. She said, let's call the cops now. And I said, you're from Long Island, and you don't understand hip-hop. Who was going to believe me? He was bringing hip-hop into the major league.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you felt really powerless in that situation.
3: How did that yeah.
0: affect your career afterwards? I had this
3: big thing that this man did to me, and he was like God to hip hop. So I think my drive was more to be like, you didn't get me Russell, you ain't shut me up, you didn't silence me. I'm not telling a story, but I'm continuing on my path, what was meant for me. You
0: know, over 25 years later, both of you um, decided to share your story and and participate in this film on the record. What has the response been now that the film is out?
2: It's really largely still crickets from the Black music industry. I'm going to be honest with you. Mm. It has been a deafening silence. I was very shocked, actually, in my
3: own community, as far as being a pioneer and and, and paving way and being as... um, you know the first female in DJ rap group in hip hop history. It's crickets. You don't even get like, yo, we
2: gotta stand yeah. by her
0: and stuff like you. Nothing. 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 For other survivors, what message do you have for them?
2: It's important to remember that we can't help our community as our as a whole if we aren't whole ourselves. And so we're not hurting our community by coming forward with this. We're actually making our community stronger. It took me 22 years to come forward, and I don't want other survivors to wait that long.
0: Mm. Thank you, Drew. Sherry, what about you? Anything that you want to share with
3: survivors? Never be scared to face that giant because what you're doing is not for them. You're releasing that virus out of you. That's just something to hold you back. You're born to be greatness. Do not think that you're not important enough for your story to be heard. True,
0: Sherry, thank you, thank you so much. Yes. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. On yesterday's show, we spoke with Drew Dixon and Sherry Share, two women who bravely shared their stories of alleged sexual abuse at the hands of music mogul Russell Simmons in the new documentary,
1: On The Record. Simmons recently denied the allegations in a controversial interview on the radio show, The Breakfast Club.
0: Today, we talk with writer and activist Salai Abrams, one of Simmons' most vocal accusers, and award-winning feminist author, Dr. Joan Morgan, about the Simmons interview and what needs to change in hip-hop. This is The Nod. In the HBO Max documentary, On the Record, Salai Abrams opens up about the alleged sexual assault she faced at the hands of music mogul Russell Simmons. A former executive assistant at Def Jam, Abrams considered Simmons a friend until the night he raped her, according to her account.
4: I kept on saying, no, no, no and then he raped me. Weeks after
0: the release of the documentary, Simmons made a controversial appearance on The Breakfast Club, once again denying the allegations.
4: Well, I can't say someone doesn't feel victimized. I can tell you that I don't feel that I victimize them.
0: Now, both he and the show are facing backlash. Joining us today are Salai Abrams, who is now a domestic violence awareness activist, and Dr. Joan Morgan, who writes about feminism and hip hop and also appeared in the film. Dr. Morgan and Salai, thank you so much for joining us today during such a challenging time. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank So Salai, you were an executive assistant at Def Jam. How did you get your start in the industry, and and how did you form a relationship with Russell Simmons?
4: My time there was brief. It was rife with sexual harassment, sexism, Mm. misogyny, rape Mm -hmm. culture. So I left that business and returned to the fashion industry and At a nightclub, I met Russell Simmons. Mm -hmm. And we had an off and on casual, intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. And it was really rooted in friendship. It was just all good at that point until it wasn't.
0: In the film, you share really openly about your experiences um, with sexual assault.
4: What made
0: you decide to participate in this film on the record?
4: I'm a huge believer in the power of personal narrative to affect social change. Mm -hmm. After my story finally broke, Drew Dixon reached out to me, and Mm -hmm. we just started a dialogue that was rooted initially in the fact that we had a shared perpetrator And then she told me about the film that she was participating in and asked me if I'd be willing to talk to the producers and go from there.
0: To be honest, I was surprised even just as a journalist at some portions of the internet or some portions of the hip hop industry being kind of silent around the film um, until Russell Simmons appeared on The Breakfast Club.
1: We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest on the line. Yes, indeed. Well, where are you, Russ? Because you never know. Right now, I'm in my home in Bali.
0: What upset you most about the show having Russell Simmons on as a guest at that time?
4: The fact that he came on wasn't such a surprise so much as when. I mean, learn Mm. to read the damn room. Our film had just come out Mm -hmm. and he had been very quiet for a long time. He was treated as if he was just another person, another celebrity and not a man Mm. who'd been credibly accused of various forms of sexual assault, including rape. What's so
5: good about Bali? What do you like about Bali?
4: It's yoga vegan Disneyland. One of the things that he said
0: in defense of himself was that he was a playboy and a womanizer.
4: And I've been unconscious as a playboy, and today the title is appropriate uh, womanizer.
0: Dr. Morgan, you've spent the bulk of your career deconstructing, you know, our love for hip-hop and, you know, the the sometimes misogynistic culture
5: that, that can come with it. What do you think of that response? A womanizer is a dude that's not so nice to women. Yeah. A rapist is a rapist. You know what I mean? So that kind of language not only is playful, but it says that the women who I've hurt were stupid enough to kind of get caught up in my Playboy ways, right? Mm. So. It puts the onus and burden on women to be smarter, to not fall for the okie Mm doke and doesn't call rape what it is. So there has to be a cultural shift, and that cultural shift cannot happen until enough Black men demand that level of accountability. We cannot fight this fight by ourselves, and frankly, we shouldn't have to.
0: How do you think The Breakfast Club having uh, Simmons on as a guest affects the larger movement or larger desire to hold men accountable for their actions.
5: That reparation cannot solely be decided by the perpetrator, right? Mm. So you can't decide once I was a playboy and now I'm not and I've done penance and that's actually the end of the conversation, right? Mm. Victim's hurts have to be acknowledged and they get to have a say in (laughs) what this reparative justice should look like. Mm -hmm. You can't just decide, okay, I'm a different person now and that's it, like that's not reparative justice.
0: I'm wondering, you know, for you, Silai, what has been the response to the film and people really hearing your story this way?
4: To be very explicit, the response has been mixed. A lot of people haven't actually seen it because of their own implicit biases against the subject matter. And it is my hope as we move forward that people will really start to look within at their own attitudes, thoughts, and behaviors around gender violence, whether it's something as simple as holding someone accountable for making an inappropriate sexist joke or mm-hmm. laughing at rape jokes, really asking people to to look at the absolute damage that occurs to survivors as a result of the assault, but also, as a result of coming forward.
0: This conversation is happening as hip hop is staring down its 50th birthday. There have been conversations about Black women's quote unquote place in hip hop for decades, but this moment um, where it feels like we are hopefully moving toward a space of accountability, I'm wondering what do you hope for in hip hop's next 50 years?
5: I am hoping for the next 50 years that hip-hop is too small a box to hold that into. I'm hoping that what we see in hip-hop looks the same in every single entertainment genre. I'm hoping that Black women get the range um, and ability to express themselves and not have their careers thwarted because of sexism or neglect. I hope that as Black women that we force the world, you know, really to to reckon with those issues. I don't think that hip hop exists in a bubble. We we're always looking at a microcosm of a larger world and where black women fit uh, in it. So I want the next 50 years to be like, yeah, remember when like there was misogyny in hip hop and it was really bad? <laughs> Back in the past, in the olden days. Those dark days, yeah. That's what I want.
0: That sounds good to me too. I welcome it, I welcome it, I welcome it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. This is definitely a moment, so thank you so much for joining us. We reached out to Russell Simmons for comment on these interviews, and this was his response. Please note these stories are 25 to 40 years old, and I am ashamed of my past, having been a massively unconscious playboy, today more approximately titled Womanizer, but I cannot accept blame for that which I have not done. I have never been violent or forced myself on anyone. To demonstrate this, I have taken nine prosecution-grade lie detector tests, seven of these tests administered by the chairman of the California Polygraph Association. I'm grateful for the women's movement and its intended results, which include a brighter, more inclusive and safer world for my daughters and all women of the future. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care of yourselves.